Hey, welcome to the Crosspoint Church Podcast. I'm Rob Chartrand, the lead pastor of the church. We're a church that's for the city in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, and are passionate about helping people find their way back to God. Hey, if you're new, I'll have a bit to say at the end of the podcast, but in the meantime, let's listen to this Sunday's message. Well, good morning, Crosspoint. And uh, as Rob said, my name's Chris, and... I know most of you, and I know this camera quite well now, so it's good to be with you this morning, even if it's through your screens, and I'm excited to continue uh, the Songs of Summer series, and I'm excited that you've been doing this this month um, through the summer, looking at the book of Psalms. Now, I just want to point this out just before I start. I say Psalms, you say Psalms. So if I say Psalms this morning, don't laugh at me, just just go with it. Um, That's my accent. Um, But I want to ask you a question to begin with this morning. Um, What is the biggest thing that you can fathom in your brain? Like, in your mind, what is the biggest thing you can actually comprehend? Take the blue whale, for example. It's the biggest animal on our planet. It is roughly the size of three city buses in length and weighs about 100,000 kilograms. So that's 100 tons. And if you can't wrap your brain around how heavy and big that actually is, is about the same weight as 20 African bush elephants, or 85 mid-sized cars, or a thousand versions of me. That is how big this animal is, and it's huge. But the the blue whale is, is only the beginning when we start to imagine the biggest things we can comprehend. Let's think about space. I don't know if you're a space fan. I like space, I think it's pretty cool. Um, we live on a planet called Earth. That's, that'd be helpful if you know that one. Um, a planet that is over 12,000 kilometers in diameter, and it's roughly, now get this, six times 10 to the power of 24 kilograms in weight. That's a lot of blue whales. That's what that is. Um, but Earth is only the fifth biggest planet in uh, the eight planets in our solar system. Sorry, Pluto. Uh, and the largest is Jupiter, which is about double the size of every single other planet combined. And this solar system is one of about 500 solar systems that have already been discovered in our galaxy, the Milky Way. And scientists estimate that there will be tens of billions of galaxies uh, that goes 93 billion light years in length. Just, Just try and get your brain around that for a second. Like, how huge is that? We live in an enormous, a humongous crazy, unfathomable universe. I can barely get my head around the size of a blue whale. And together, this morning, we're going to be talking about Psalm 8. And we're going to be exploring that together and going, what has God got to say to me through his word this morning? See, Psalm 8 is a hymn. It's a song written by David as a direct response of worship to God. In some ways, it's a response of worship for God being the creator and his ongoing care for his creation, especially us as human beings. I love this psalm because I believe it models a really healthy example of what it means to worship God and to ask a difficult question and to wrestle the question through with a healthy understanding of who God is, his faithfulness, and his truth. And he does it all in a song. So I thought this morning, rather than reading Psalm 8, I would, uh, I'd sing it for us. And then I thought, I want this scripture to be received well. 
so I'll just speak it instead. But as we read through the hymn this morning, a song of worship from the heart of David, have this in mind. It's a song. This man is praising his God through music. And so we're going to read Psalm 8 together and have this in mind. It is a song. So let's read this together. Um, Starting at the top, it says, From the director of music, a psalm of David, verse 1. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place. What is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet, all flocks and herds and the animals of the wild. The birds in the sky and the fish in the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Let's just pray before we uh, begin this morning. Uh, Jesus, we thank you that you're faithful to us. Uh, Father, we thank you that you're good to us. Spirit, thank you that you meet with us. And we just pray this morning as we uh, open up your word, as we look at this psalm, God, would you uh, reveal in our lives, areas where we may need to take this psalm and implement it straight away. Um, Would we meet with you this morning? Would you meet with us wherever we are, whatever we are doing right now? If we're sitting on our couch, if we're lying in our bed, if we're in our car, God, would you meet with us right now? Come Holy Spirit. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So I, I titled this morning's message, A Matter of Perspective. Perspective is simply putting something in its proper place. Someone once said, perspective is remembering there is a God and you are not him. And I love the framework that David gives us. It's a a framework for worship, a framework for asking good questions, and a framework of perspective. And I believe this morning we can learn a lot from David and can apply this song to the story of our life. So let's begin in verse 1. Lord, our Lord... How majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. I love how David begins this, right? I love how he begins it. He recognizes and he acknowledges who God is. We, we began this morning, we're talking about the magnitude of the universe or the size of the blue whale and trying to fathom in our tiny brains the hugeness of creation. And I wonder, where was David as he was scribing this song? What was he doing? In my mind's eye, I imagine he's out in the field. He's looking up into the night sky, gazing up to the heavens, amusing about the greatness of the one who is above the heavens. In David's minimal understanding of astrology and and planets and the grandeur of creation, he simply gazes up in wonder at a God who could create something so phenomenal. And how today, even today, we know more than David. We know this universe is huge. We know that it's 93 billion light years in diameter. And I ask you, when was the last time that you got out of the city and just stared up into the night sky? When was the last time that you got into creation and stood in awe at the beauty and the wonder of the creator who made his creation? 
When was the last time you worshipped God, not only as Savior, as Lord, as Father, as Friend, but as Creator? Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. David begins with the perspective of there is a God who is the creator and I am not him. And then he suddenly shifts his attention. Like, like something must have, have happened in his brain. Whether it was a flashback to a childhood or, or he heard the cry of a baby. But in verse 2 he writes this. Let's look at verse 2. He says this. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. David is, uh, he's not beginning the Marvel series in this verse, um, but his focus shifts from the grandeur of heaven towards the smallness and seeming insignificance of the human race. Yet picture this. Imagine you're in David's shoes. You're writing this song. You're like, oh God, you're so awesome. You're so big. You're so huge. You're the creator. You're amazing. You're strong. You're glorious. At this point, I would probably write, and because of that, you silence the foe and the avenger. You have strongholds against your enemies. But David doesn't say this. What does he say? What does he say that establishes a stronghold against the enemy? What does he say he silences the foe and the avenger? It's the praise of children and infants. Like, are you hearing this? Like, if you want to establish a stronghold against the schemes and the plans of the enemy, if you want Crosspoint to be a place of safety for the hurting or the marginalized, if you want your church to be unshakable, let the kids sing. Let the kids sing. And David, again, he shakes up our perspective. The God who is the creator, whose glory shines through the heavens, establishes his strongholds within the praise of children and infants. Have you ever worshipped with kids? Like, have you ever been at a youth dance party? Have you ever had, have you ever watched kids pray over each other? Like never, and I mean never have I ever <laughs> seen anything as powerful as when children lead prayer and worship. I think there's something to a childlike faith in the presence of God. Uh, last night, I, I was talking to my wife and I, and I said, um, in your experience as a worship leader, and, and Steph led here for, for many years, and I said, in your experience as a worship leader, um, what's your, what do you think the difference is between kids singing and like adults singing? Like, what, what's your difference? And she, she told me about a story of family camp out at Camp Nakaman. And for years, Steph and her friends would lead the worship there. Um, and they said they always began with two or three songs that were called the kids' songs. And now I remember the kids' songs when I was in church. You know, we'd be coming to church, there'd be one kids' song at the start, and then the kids would like go. And that's what the kids' song was. And she said, it was so amazing. Like, we would do the kids' songs, and something would change in the atmosphere. Like, the kids, with like, like undignified dancing, undignified singing, would just give everything to Jesus. Like, no care in the world what other people thought about them, and they would just let loose. And then what that started doing was changing the atmosphere in the room as adults and parents and teenagers would start going, well, if, if the kids can do it, then... I guess I can too. And people are lifting hands and praising and dancing and moving and, and being free in worship. And she says every single time they would lead worship at family camp, nothing would be better and she would not feel the presence of God more than when the kids sing. Let the kids sing. And just like this, David brings us back to the grandeur of creation in verse 3. And he sets us up for the big question in verse 4. So let's read this in verse 3. 
He says, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. In other words, God, you are so big, so powerful. You have so much ability. You even made this galaxy with your fingertips. Why do you care about me? David drops this tension right in the middle of the psalm with the age-old question about the significance of humanity in the larger scheme of things. He asks a hard question. Have you ever asked a hard question? See, when we talk about perspective, remember perspective is putting something in its proper place. I believe sometimes when we ask hard questions or when others ask us hard questions, it creates a window for a couple opportunities. One is what David continues to do in the next few verses, and we're going to get there. Be patient. But the other is an opportunity to maybe lose perspective, to begin putting something in its wrong place. In 2010, I had the opportunity as a 17-year-old to go and live with my former uh, pastor from my church who'd moved back to his native continent of Africa. At 17 years old, I made this two-month trip to the beautiful country of Malawi. Now, there are too many moments and memories from that trip that I would love to share with you, but we do not have the time. Or maybe we do. I don't know. I could preach for three hours, maybe. I don't know how you feel about that. But... There was one story that I will never, ever forget. We were, um, I was accompanying a pastor as he, as he was doing his preaching rounds from rural village to rural village. And this congregation um, that he arrived at were so excited to, uh, for him to visit, uh, and they welcomed me in too. And we arrived at this church, which was honestly a large mud hut, and, and they had rows of chairs that were sitting um, front to back, and they invited us to sit in the front row. The service lasted about three hours, and it was about 40 degrees Celsius and 95% humidity. Let's just say my sweat glands were working overboard. And about two hours into the service came the time for the offering. Now, I'm a 17-year-old who grew up in a traditional Scottish Baptist church. I know how the offering works, okay? I know how it works. Everybody sits in their row. The plate is handed out, handed along, you have some people that drop the cash in really loud to show that they love God more. You have some people who silently put it in the envelope and drop it in. And then you have a lot of people who grip their money really tightly and they drop it into the offering plate reluctantly and mourning the loss of their money. <laughs> I knew what it was like to give the offering in a Scottish Baptist church. Uh, <laughs> and I was about to have my perspective blown out of the water. The pastor stands up and he announces, it's time for the offering. And boom, the drums begin. The drums begin and the music starts. And what can, I can only describe as an African dance party begins. And I'm looking from the front of the church, down the aisle to the back of the church. And I see this old man. I'm guessing he was about 150 years old. And he slowly pulls himself out of his chair, slightly hunched over, and I'm really wondering, like, should you be walking, sir? Like, really, should you, should you be walking? And he gets out of his chair, he stands up, and he begins to dance his way down the aisle with such enthusiasm and joy and excitement. And in his hands, he's holding his money, and he is waving it and dancing his way down to the front of the church where he puts his money in the offering plate. 
He turns around, a smile beaming from ear to ear, and he dances his way back to his seat. I sat in shock. What had I just witnessed? I turned to the pastor of the church and I said, pardon my rudeness, but I don't understand it. Like, like why dance? Why, why music? Why is he smiling so much? And his response cut me to the core. He said this, Chris, the Bible says to give with a joyful heart. Here we dance when we are joyful. So we always dance when we give. Oh, and that is all he has. The Bible says to give with a joyful heart, and we dance when we're joyful. So we dance every time we give. My perspective of giving was completely in the wrong place. I believe for some reason that, that giving was a horrible sacrifice. That it's something that you did reluctantly, grudgingly. But my perspective should have been that of what the Bible teaches in 2 Corinthians 9. That God loves someone who gives cheerfully. My perspective was rooted in the wrong place. And this old man knew much more of the heart of God than I ever did. And my perspective was changed. I love how Henry Nguyen phrases it. Henry Nguyen was a, was, a, was a Catholic priest, and he went to live in, um, basically live in accommodation with people who were suffering with, with different disabilities. And, and he kind of went and lived there permanently. And he said this, and perhaps nothing helps us make the movement from our little selves to a larger world than remembering God in gratitude. Such a perspective puts God in view in all of life, not just in the moments that we set aside for worship or spiritual disciplines, not just in the moments when life seems easy. Have you ever had moments where your ways of doing things are challenged? Like where your view of the Christian faith or your view of God are challenged? If not, maybe it's time to ask some hard questions. But if you have, and I'm, I'm hoping you have been challenged, I know this church loves to give a challenge. Then where do you go when you're challenged? See, when David asked this age-old question of God, like, why do you care for me? Why do you care for humans? When he meets the perspective crossroad, he has two options. One is to try and figure it out himself, or the other is to allow God's truth and his character to figure it out. And David does the latter. So let's read from verse 5. Let's read verse 5 straight through to verse 9. You have made them, human beings, you have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet, all flocks and herds, all the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky, the fish in the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all of the earth. So how do we regain perspective? What do you do when you find yourself at one of life's difficult moments, one of life's crossroads, hard questions, big life conversations? How do you make sure that what you know to be true of God remains true in those moments? Well, David does it right here. He answers his own question in good theology. He answers his own question in what he knows of the faithfulness, the character, and the word of God. Does this psalm bring any other passage to mind? Can you think? Does this psalm bring any other scripture to mind? Yes, Genesis. 
Genesis. It's the story at the beginning of Genesis. It's the creation story. David is not using abstract or other poetic devices, you know, that we may see in a number of the other Psalms. He is very clear. He's using very concrete imagery, reflecting the Genesis story about the wonder and the beauty of creation and the God who created it. Now, what's his dilemma? What's, what's David's dilemma? God, you are so huge, powerful, creative, magnificent. Why do you care for mankind so much? Well, I guess I know. Like, I think I know. You, you created us, and in doing so, you crowned us with glory and with honor, and you gave us authority over your creation, the Genesis story. You gave us work to do. We are part of the bigger picture. We are a pivotal part. Whoa, God, thank you. How majestic is your name? See, David is aware of humanity's elevated position by God's design. Why? Because he knows the word and he knows his father's heart. So where do you need to regain perspective? What areas of your life have you maybe put things in the improper place? Maybe the story of the old man's generosity woke something up in you about the perspective of giving. Maybe David's heart of the unbelievable creativity of a creator God woke you up to appreciating the things maybe you had forgotten to value. Maybe you've been asking the question of like, how much church, how much Christian stuff should I do around my kids or for my kids? And the psalmist reminds us that through the praises of children and infants, God establishes strongholds against the enemy. Maybe you've been asking the age-old question of, God, do you care for me? Do, do you value me? And maybe David's response of turning back to the word and remembering the faithfulness of God has woke something up in you to turn back to his word and to remind you of his faithfulness. I want to share a really quick story with you um, from Joshua 4. A little bit of context for you. Uh, God's people are almost at the promised land. They've been wandering for about 40 years, a journey that should have only taken a few weeks. Uh, and now they're on the brink of success. Uh, God has just opened up the Jordan River and they've safely walked on through to the other side and can see their future. They can see the land that God has promised to their ancestors and they can taste the fruit in their mouths. And then God does something. So let's read this in Joshua 4 verse 1 to 9. It says this, when the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, choose 12 from among the people, one from each tribe. Tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you will stay tonight. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, go over before the ark of the Lord your God in the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. So the Israelites did as Joshua commanded them. They took 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites, as the Lord had told Joshua. And they carried them over with them to their camp where they put them down. 
Joshua set up the twelve stones that had been in the middle of the Jordan at the spot where the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant stood. And they're there to this day. What is God doing in this moment? What is God doing? He's asking them, build a tower of remembrance so that they will not forget the goodness and the fulfilled promises and the hope of God. And why do you think that is? Like, surely you would remember a moment like this. Like, if God opened up the North Saskatchewan River and you walked on through, like, do you think you're going to forget it? Or, unbeknown to the Israelites, before they had to get their promised land, they had to battle and they had to conquer seven different nations. They still had to battle. We, we have moments in our life where we experience the goodness and the faithfulness and the fulfilled promises of God, and then a battle comes. And you might be sitting there and are like, but Chris, come on, the Israelites, they literally had bread from heaven. Like, water came out of rocks. Like, rivers were opened up. Like, seriously, how could they forget the goodness of God? Well, then why do we? Why do we forget the goodness of God? Think back. Where in your life have you seen God move? Regain your perspective. Perspective is remembering there is a God and you are not him. I love Psalm 8. I love that this is a praise song of worship. I love that David begins the conversation in acknowledgement of who God is. I love that he asks hard questions. And I love that he frames the answer and response of this question in the faithfulness, the truth, and the word of God. What a great model for us. What a great model to shape our worship. What a great model to wrestle through faith with. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all of the earth. Wow. I love Psalm 8. I love this morning that we were able to explore this together. I want to encourage you. Um, don't just leave it this morning. Take Psalm 8 this week and wrestle through it a little bit more. Maybe God is waking something up in you. Maybe you're like, it's a long weekend and we're just stuck at home. Let's go to the mountains. Let's just, just, let's just get out of the city and go do something. Let's go appreciate the creation that our creator has made. Maybe for some of you, you're like, I got to tell my kids more about the faithfulness of God. Like I, I got I to gotta give them uh, stories and, and remind them of where God has been faithful in our lives. Because remember, it's the praise of the children and the infants that establishes the strongholds. Uh, maybe for some of you this morning, you're like, I just need to be back in God's word again. I need to have a refreshed heart and refreshed mind and to regain the perspective of God. But remember, this is a song. Maybe for some of you, I, I want to encourage that you might read Psalm 8 again, but put some music on in the background. Maybe for some of you, you may be a creative. You're a musical creative person and, and you actually want to write this song as a song. Like, use the words, get creative with it. Don't simply allow the, the, the preaching and teaching on a Sunday morning just to kind of be your TED talk and then you're done and then we come back next week. Allow it to fuel you for this week to come. Allow God's word to feed you and let it encourage you and equip you. So let's pray together as we, as we finish this morning. And, and it's been a real honor for me again to, to, to chat with you through your screens. And, uh, and let's pray and ask God 
to continue meeting with us, to continue inspiring us and encouraging us through his word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that your word stands true. We thank you that it is good news for us. We thank you that it is trustworthy. We thank you that as we wrestle through the Psalms, there's so much emotion. There's so many moments. It it, it opens up our souls in a way that is so new. God, would you meet us in these moments? Would you meet us as we read your word? Would you meet us as we sing, as we worship? God, for some of us who may have lost perspective, would you help us regain perspective through your truth, through your faithful promises? And God, some of us this morning are are going, man, I just got to realign myself with God again. And that's a good thing. God, would you help us as we do that? Continue to meet with us this week, God, in all that we're doing. There's a number of new things happening. There's different bylaws come in place. There's different things happening. And sometimes that can feel confusing and can sometimes feel strange. can sometimes feel like a relief too for some. God, we remember this week that our perspective is shaped you. We know who we are because of who you are. And God, would that help us this week as we, as we make decisions, as we have conversations, as we live life, that we shape what we do, that we shape who we are through you. And again, this morning, we, we praise you, Jesus, for, for what you've done for us and what you continue to do for us. Thank you, Spirit, that you meet with us and that you Uh, show us again the heart of the father and god as we read this morning we thank you for david and for his his emotion and his passion and his ability to write in such beautiful ways that for us that we can go god you are so huge so magnificent so awesome so creative yet you still care for every single one of us and that is amazing We thank you, God. We thank you for your word. We thank you for this day. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope it's helped you in your spiritual journey and it's helped you draw closer to God. Let me tell you a little bit about us. Crosspoint gathers as one church on Sundays in Northeast Edmonton. And you can find out our location and more about us by visiting our website, thecrosspointchurch.ca. We also meet throughout the week throughout Edmonton in what we call home groups. These are smaller communities of learning, laughter, community, uh, transformation. We, we think that the journey of faith was never intended to be an independent exercise. It's, it's something that we do together. So please visit our website and find out how you can get connected to a home group near you. If you listen to our podcast regularly, why not make it shareable? You could like us on iTunes or share our podcast with other people. But more importantly, we hope you will get connected with other people and talk about what you've learned. Again, hey, thanks for listening. We pray you'll experience Christ's love in a very real and profound way this week.